Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler, and this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production Studio in the great state of North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts or my guests on this radio show, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call at Stevie B's Mid Production Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and study along with us here on What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Before we go into our program this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you'll be with my special guest speaker, Irvin C. Jackson, and my co-host, Isa Mullins, as they break unto us the bread of life. We also ask that you continue to support their families, that support their efforts, that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning into this broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that they may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank so much for sending your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a death on Henry's cross. Such a sacrifice. We would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you will forgive for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful unto death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast this evening. In the first segment, my special guest speaker is Irvin C. Jackson. He serves as the evangelist with the Christ Point Oasis Church of Christ in Wesley Chapel, Florida. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Now, in the community corner, I don't think I'm going to have a guest in the community corner segment. I haven't been able to contact my guests uh, for this week's show, so we just won't have that segment on the broadcast this evening, and my co-host, Isa Mullins, he serves with the 
Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the shows. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you'll be that of my special guest speaker, Irvin C. Jackson. Enjoy the show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. Will you Running around acting like you got so much time. 
remember, no one knows the day or hour He's coming back So what you waiting on? Would you be prepared To meet your maker And give account for all that you've done What you gonna do with the time you have? Are you living right? Oh, what are you gonna do? Can you look at your life and say, time is coming, that you're ready? to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my special guest speaker, Irvin C. Jackson, and his subjects, Psalm 91, The Pursuit of Joy and Happiness. All right. Um, the Pursuit of Joy and Happiness. That's what we're going to talk about this afternoon or this evening, uh, depending on where you are. We are... Um, looking at the thesis of how to find joy and happiness. I mean, that's something that we all want to experience. And it's something that I believe we can actually obtain if we really understand what joy and happiness is. Joy and happiness not, is not something that um, actually puts us in a position where we feel no emotional discomfort or no physical discomfort because many times we find ourselves going through those things. But I'm really addressing an overall state of spiritual well-being that transcends any physical or any emotional discomfort. And so, therefore, in this presentation, my overall goal is to address how do you arrive there? How do you get to that point where you're able to deal with what life throws at you? but yet you still have a spiritual well-being. I believe Paul evidently understood it, and that's why he was able to talk about contentment and being content in any situation that he faces. So I want to share with you a psalm because I believe that this psalmist 
in Psalm 91 actually shares where he is, and he actually shares how you can be where he is. You see, he makes a thesis that basically you too can find joy and happiness when you love God and you acknowledge his name. Now, as we go and progress through this text, and um, we're, we're going to see several parts. The first part, we're going to notice that the author shares the faith of his experience as being one in relationship with God. And then he makes a recommendation. That author begins to share his faith, but not in relation to what his faith says for him, but what his faith believes God can do for you. So let's look at it. First of all, let's notice his his premise, what his belief is. And um, then let's look at the credibility of him making that statement. In verse 1, he argues, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find or will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, now that's a statement of truth. That's a statement that the writer believes without a doubt. That statement the author makes is saying it really doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how well-bred you are. It doesn't matter how how rich or how poor you are. It, it really, really doesn't matter if you're black or if you're white. It, it really doesn't matter if you're Hispanic or you're Asian. It, it really doesn't matter. You see, if you are a human being and you dwell in the shelter of the Most High, then he says the outcome will be that you will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, that's a powerful statement, to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, you're in his presence. His shadow actually covers you. And so, therefore, whatever enemy comes your way, whatever enemy stands against you, when they see the shadow of the Almighty, then what happens is they have respect for not necessarily you, but actually for the one who is providing the rest for you, and that is the Almighty God. So that statement, he says, is good for anybody, but the qualification of that statement is that that individual must dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Now, we all know, based off of being New Christians, New Testament Christians, then we recognize that a positional relationship with our Father, in order to be in the shadow of the Almighty, is to be in Christ Jesus. When we're in Christ Jesus, then we're resting in the shadow of the Almighty. We have the Father there with us. Now, notice his personal testimony in verse 2. In verse 2, he says, I will say of the Lord. Here it is. He's speaking 
in relation to the Lord. And let me just fill you in a little bit more. First, you, you have the author's testimony, and you have the author's personal experience. He shares what he believes the author or, or that, that God will do. And then the final part of the text helps us to understand why God makes the choice. And you hear his voice, God's voice, speaking at the very end of this passage. And also I want to add that this is a messianic psalm. And so what I mean by messianic psalm is that it gives us a glimpse into the Messiah, the Christ, and what things were possible for him as he experienced life in the first century, being one who is the son of God. So I just want you to keep that in mind. But let's go back and look at the author's personal testimony of God's ability and the author's personal uh, basis from which he makes this statement. First of all, he says in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So first of all, the first premise the author makes is that I have a relationship with God, and God has been my refuge. My experience with God helps me to know that he's my fortress. He is my God. In that time, they had many pagan deities that individuals would give reverence and, and worship to, but he recognized that God, uh, Elohim, Yahweh, God, was the God that he would trust in because there is no other God that actually has the power that he has, and there is no other God, period. Now, as he makes that statement, he moves on and says, this God and this relationship that I have with him is not just for me. This relationship and this God I have is actually for you as well. And that's why he says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. And so, therefore, in this passage, we see that the author has identified where true power is. He recognizes the true power is in God. It's not money. It's not fame. It's not popularity. And it's not, definitely not himself. And I think sometimes many people go through life trying to figure that out because there are individuals who put more power or think power is found in how much money they have or how, many, how much fame or how much popularity they have. Uh, and, and some individuals go through life struggling with uh, just the reliance on themselves. But I'm telling you, those things will never bring about joy and happiness. Uh, that won't work. They're elusive, and those are things that are actually only temporary. But the author's personal testimony begins to point to God. And so, therefore, you see an expression of faith of what God will do and how God will benefit 
you. That's what we began to notice. In verse 3, the author says, look, here, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. That's an outcome. That's a benefit. Here's where you will be emotionally. Verse 5, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midnight, uh, at midday. Why? It's simply because you understand that God, or he understands, the writer understands that God and his protection has the ability to protect you and has the ability to allow you to rest in your emotional well-being and your spiritual well-being, knowing that everything is going to be all right. In fact, he goes as far as to say that when God is your dwelling, then what happens is you'll even experience extraordinary things. And when you experience those extraordinary things, you know that it's God executing justice. He says in verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You'll only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. You know, one of the things that occurs that the author is making mention is that when you are with God, you'll begin to notice a lot of things happening in the world. Think about the pandemic and how you've seen so many individuals suffer as a result of the pandemic, so many thousands and thousands of people losing their lives. And you begin to recognize that that God's hand is at work in our world. Now, here's the thing that I want you to see. Some individuals have quoted this text, and they seem to imply that negative things can't come upon us as a result, and that this text promises that. And I want you to know that that, that that's not true about this text, because Sometimes the righteous even suffer. If you were to look at the story of Job, we begin to recognize that Job was not exempt from troubles, and we're not exempt from troubles. We will experience troubles in life. But the thing that we have as an advantage is that When we experience things, God has purpose in it. One of the things that God never did, he never told Job why Job went through those things. But one thing that we see is Job going through those things, number one, was a testimony for the friends that came and sat around Job. It was a lesson for the friends that sat around Job. It was a lesson for Job. It was something that would help Job to grow even in his own faith and even his wife for her to grow 
in her faith. So sometimes God allows negative things to happen to good people so that he can be glorified through their weakness and others are able to be strengthened because of the things that they go through. Even Paul says something that is very similar to this thought because Paul recognized that all the things that he's suffering is that which causes you to rejoice because you know that God is actually accomplishing great things through him even in the midst of his weakness. So this doesn't exclude us from negatives. But when we begin to see God's hand at work, what this text helps us to understand is it helps us to recognize a better perspective of seeing life is when we look through spiritual eyes. See, he says, you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. One of the things that we recognize is that even though those who may be uh, walking in fellowship with God, even though they experience things, it's not because of punishment or anything like that. It's so that God can glorify himself through their lives. And even if they pass on from this world to the next, we recognize it's for their glory. Their glo- Paul says, you know what, uh, he was in a betwixt on whether he should stay here or be go- going on because if he went on, he would be with the Lord. That was one thing that we see him, him uh, saying. He would be with the Lord. He knew that, but he recognized that there was a need for him to be there with them. So when we look and see life and see people passing, we recognize that it wasn't because of their negatives or this, that, and the other that they passed on. It's that God, it was their purpose, and they served their purpose. Now they're moving on to their reward. And then we see some individuals who are actually suffering because of being punished. And our spiritual eyes helps us to have that distinction and make that distinction and see the difference. So when we see this passage, we begin to to see him saying that we'll see extraordinary things. In other words, sometimes we'll see things where we've escaped negative situations, where God has delivered us from certain situations, where we've escaped by the skin of our teeth. And we understand that that was God's hand. But we don't get discouraged when we find ourselves still experiencing things because we know that ultimately God is still accomplishing great purposes, even if we have to go through negative times. Now, notice the recommendation where he gives even more instruction and explanation concerning our warfare. You see, the thing that you begin to see in verses 9 through 13 is is more general truths concerning spiritual warfare. And that's what we're actually facing. We're, we're, We're living in a world where Satan lives, and Satan is the god of this world, according to what we read in 1 John, the fifth chapter. He's the prince of the, uh, the, the spirit that works in, in the children of disobedience, according to Ephesians 2, the prince of the power of the air. And, and so, therefore, our ultimate warfare is against the enemy, Hasatan. And in this text, he's characterized as the lion. He's characterized as the serpent. And we begin to see that the harm and the disaster 
that seems to be mentioned, we understand that he is allowed to bring those trials. The reason that we understand that and know that, again, I'm going to point back to Job. When we begin to see Job attacked by natural evil, when we see Job attacked by moral evil, then we, we understand that Satan had the power through influence to actually bring about moral evil. And then also he was allowed to have the ability to bring on even natural destruction in the life of Job. It was used by Satan as the enemy to get, he wanted Job to curse God. In other words, Satan, he brings trials in your life because he wants you to fail. But what God, the reason that God allows it is because he wants you to have faith. He wants you to trust in him because if you trust in him, then he's able to help you overcome. You see, alone we're powerless against the enemy. He is here to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's why he exists. That's what he's here for. But one of the things that God does is God gives his angels charge for even our protection. And then there's something that we also have to do, and that is we have to put on the whole armor of God. And when we put on the whole armor of God, we're able to stand against all of the cunning, the trickery, and all of the things that Satan does. Now, notice what the text says in verse 9. He says, here, let me proposition you. He says, if you say, I want you to consider this. This is what the writer is saying. I want you to consider this. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and if you make the Most High your dwelling, he says, no harm will overtake you. No disaster come near your tent. Now, when, when you see that statement, again, I want you to think general truth because we already recognize that the righteous still experience negative things in their lives. And so, therefore, we have to understand this just like we understand many of the Proverbs. The Proverbs are general statements. And generally, then we recognize that uh, those things won't come our way. And then he gives a rationale for it in verse 11. He says, here's the reason. He says, for God, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on who? The lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Friends, this is talking about spiritual warfare. This is talking, see, one of the things that we have to understand is that angelic beings and, and spiritual entities uh, in our own humanness, in and of ourselves, we have no ability to conquer them. The only way that we can overcome Satan and the demons of hell is when we stand in the power of God's might. And that's what Ephesians, the sixth chapter, tells us. When you see the lion and the cobra, 
basically you just see archetypes of our enemy, the serpent that existed in the garden and that roaring lion who's walking about seeking whom he may devour. So the only way that we're able to deal with him, he says, God commands his angels concerning us to guard us and to protect us. We put on the armor, our holy armor, and we're in Christ. And as a result of that, we, he has no power over us. He's not able to do anything. Even when we begin to see Job trusting in the Lord, then even though God allowed the enemy, Hasatan, to begin to do certain things that were negative, still he had limits. He could not take the life of Job. He, he, he had to abide within the rules that God actually stated. So when you begin to see and understand that, then ultimately you recognize whatever comes upon you, whatever you have to endure, you have to understand that God is there. God is there. He, he's protecting you. He's provided everything for you if you trust in him. And so the proposition that the writer makes is if you say the Lord is my refuge, if you make him your dwelling, he says basically you have a state of well-being because he's your shepherd. And even though you're walking through a valley, the valley of the shadow of death, see, this world has the shadow of death over it. Death passed upon all men. That's right, because we've all sinned. And so, therefore, since death is passed upon all men, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death daily. But you know what? We don't have to fear the enemy. Even though we may have negative times, we don't have to fear the enemy. And even Paul makes a statement about death and says, oh, death, where is thy sting? You see, when we position ourselves with the Lord, then come what may, we're always going to be all right. Come what may, we recognize that God is our salvation. God is our strength. God is our deliverance. And you know what? We can see that even in the example of Christ Jesus. Because when he came into this world, he still suffered things that were negative. He suffered ridicule. He suffered individuals attempting to stone him and ultimately suffered on an old rugged cross. And it was real. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed, he said, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He was not exempt from the negatives of life, just as we aren't. But the thing that he had is he had the power of the Almighty. Now, notice this text, the last part of this text. In verses 14 through 16, here's God's response, the voice change. The person changes who's actually doing the speaking. No longer is it the psalmist who's actually making his proposition about us dwelling in the dwelling place of the Lord. It's no longer about the psalmist telling us about what God is able to do for us. But now you have God saying, 
Hey, I'm getting ready to tell you why I will do what I say. This this psalmist has said I would do. And so therefore, he says, verse 14, because he loves me, says the Lord, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's God speaking now. And you know what he said? The first thing he says, because he loves me. There's there's the first thing that you have to recognize if you're looking for joy and happiness is you've got to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. You've got to love him. Jesus said you must love him. He says all of the law hangs on loving him and loving your neighbor as yourself. So the first command, you've got to love God. And God says, if you love me, because you love me, God says, I'll, I'll go to bat for you. He says, because you acknowledge my name. See, you can't be ashamed of him. You know, Jesus said it in Matthew, the 10th chapter, in verse 32. He says, if, if, if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father in heaven. If you're ashamed of me, then you know what? I'm going to be ashamed of you. But God says, look, because that individual, his voice, he speaks, he says, because he loves me, and because he acknowledges my name, God says, I will. I will. Now, the, the statement, I will, that's covenant language. That's covenant language. God is saying, look, I'm going to make a promise in view of where they stay, where they are in relation to me. He says, I will rescue him. Wait a minute, rescue? For what? If none of those things will pass on, uh, come, come on me, what are you rescuing me from? Well, it's because sometimes we're going to go through things. But God says, if you love him, he says, I'm going to provide you rescue. I'll provide you protection. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll answer you when you call on me. I won't close my ear to you, but instead, I'll listen to you. You know, this, can't, this helps me, makes me think of the Psalms, many of the Psalms that David wrote. And when David would write his Psalms, David would be in negative situations and circumstances. Lord, hear my prayer. My enemy is after my soul. He desires to take my very soul. Many times you would hear David speaking things such as this, very negative situations. Y'all know what David had to go through as a result of Saul. He was not exempt from negative experiences, but because he loved God, and because he wasn't afraid to acknowledge the name of God, then God answered him. God would respond to him. God would deliver him. And ultimately, God honored him. 
and he satisfied him. He says, I will show him my salvation. You know what? With human beings, often I will don't mean a thing (laughs) because sometimes we're not good at holding up our covenants. Sometimes we're not good at keeping our dues. But you know what? God can't lie. God, if he says I will, guess what? He will. God will be there for us, and that's the strength and the power of this text. And let me tell you something about deliverance. Deliverance is not always deliverance in this life. You know, sometimes we see individuals who have negative uh, experience, experienced sickness that ultimately leads to death. And sometimes we begin to wonder, well, why would God allow that? But sometimes death leads to the victory. You see, for those who die in the Lord, they rest from their labor and their works. Follow them. It's just the pathway to the reward is really all it is. And so sometimes even you look at the apostles. If you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you recognize that that the majority of them experience very negative and very violent deaths. Even Paul beheaded. And you would wonder, well, you know, were they rescued? Did they find salvation? Were they delivered? You know what my answer is? Yes. They had a peace. They understood happiness. They were able to count it all joy when they fell into those kinds of situations because God and his presence was there and they knew it. And their faith allowed them to be able to experience a powerful victory. So if you want joy and you want happiness, here's what I encourage you to do. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And I guarantee you he'll direct your path. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he'll lead you to green pastures. He'll lead you by the water still. He'll restore your soul. He'll anoint your head with oil. He'll do all of those things. And surely goodness and mercy, it'll follow you all the days of your life. But the thing that I want you to know is that you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even as you pass through death and from death to life, he's there for you. Jesus is the ultimate experience of all of that. Because even death, he laid down his body, not worried about his body, but God took care of all of it. God took care of his body that it didn't see decay. And he was reunited with his body. And then ultimately, he was reunited with his father. Because God takes care of those who trust in him. I pray that you find. Thank you for listening. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? 
As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events or activities announced on this radio broadcast, please contact me at Stevie B's Media Production Studio at 910-491-6405. Or send your email to my new email address, brothersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Due to the coronavirus pandemic outbreak, I will not be making any public announcements until further notice regarding public meetings or assemblies, but there are a few congregations now who, are, who have begun to open up their buildings, and we will let you know who those congregations are as time goes on. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, There'll be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number to this call is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328-497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will be presenting a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved. Also, information regarding the Churches of Christ also intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are Christians. On Tuesday evening from 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Delcrest Church of Christ in San Antonio, Texas presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on www.zoom.com and the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. Daily at 6 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ prayer line hosted by the Church of Christ in Lafayette, Louisiana. And that telephone number to this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And access code is 514-859. My co-host Steve Corder on the Gospel Light Radio Show has a new book entitled God, Grace, and You. And you can order this new book from the 21st Century Christian catalog. There'll be a spring-summer series every fourth Wednesday of the month at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. There'll be a preacher's panel discussion. Join Minister Michael Crusoe and his, as he moderates a series of discussions featuring seasoned preachers in the Brotherhood of the Church of Christ. And the topic under consideration is expanding the role of women in Christian worship. What a word from the Lord. And just a program reminder, Stevie B's Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio on Tuesday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'll be hosting a live show, What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. And each week we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. We'll be presenting a message from the Word of God. We also have a community corner statement. This segment is designed for We have Protestant services for our community. So I have show. Um, my co-host Lou Gilbert, he serves as the evangelist for the Overbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia. 
Our newest co-host, Shauna Otis, she the great way to there in Nancy. She has the Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry, and her team will be on the air every third Tuesday of the month. Also, my newest co-host, Isa Mullins, he serves the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Then on Thursday evening, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show, and on that show I have eight co-hosts who'll be presenting lessons from the Word of God, and each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking a question from my shout-out platform on social media, Facebook, that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on that live show. Then on Friday night at our new time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B. Acapella Gospel Music Blast Radio Show. And on that broadcast, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. And we also have the Story Glory segment every first Friday of the month. We're interviewing the artists that we're playing on this radio show. And every third Friday of the month, I'm doing my Top 20 Countdown show. And our next Top 20 Countdown show will be on May the 21st. I'll be counting down my Top 20 acapella gospel songs for the month of May. And this Friday night, my special guest will be Irvin C. Jackson. You just heard Irvin in the first segment of this radio show. He's a preacher and he's also releasing new singles of acapella gospel music. He will be debuting two of his new singles on this Friday night show. So stay tuned for that show. And also, if you would like to be a sponsor for any of these radio shows, I have a new sponsorship manager. Her name is Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And you can contact her at 954-687-4705. Let me give a shout out to all of my sponsors. We certainly appreciate all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. Sharon Norwood from Chicago, Illinois. Bethesda Memorial, friend of Director of Crematory Services out of DeSoto, Texas. Uh, Stanley Phillips from Little Rock, Arkansas. Cheryl Mara from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yvonne Blazing Cracker Duke from Nashville, Tennessee. Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina. Marquise Hallman from Charlotte, North Carolina. Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina. Diversified Financial Network, LLC, out of Dallas, Texas. And Ordain Faith Publishing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stephen B's new production it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will include my program announcements. Stay tuned for my co-host Isa Mullins is coming up next. Stay tuned. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. And if you miss me from singing, sing and you can't find me nowhere. Glory. Come on up to glory. glory. I'll be singing the faith. Yes, I will. And I, I know the Lord. He will greet me. Over yonder. Over on the other shore. Praising the fair. Heard a minister say to see other day. 
What a word from the Lord radio show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host Isa Mullins and his subject, Rise Up and Go. Amen. Good evening. Good evening and God bless you. I want to thank Senator, thank you to uh, Brother uh, Steve Butler this evening for playing my song. If you miss me from singing, you can find me up there. I also want to uh, thank him for giving me the opportunity to uh, share a word from the Lord this evening. Rise Up and Go is my uh, title for this evening. Our lesson this evening begins with a scene in the wilderness with a conversation between Moses and a bush that is currently engulfed in flames but not being consumed by the flames. And Moses has ran from Egypt because he was worried about his actions catching up to him. Our scriptures that we're going to start with for this evening will be Exodus chapter 2, 11 through 14. Exodus chapter 2, 11 through 14. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed 
the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. This running away mentality, brothers and sisters, has engulfed our whole society. When things go wrong, we run away. When we cease to be happy in our marriages, we run away. When times get hard, we quit. What happened to our hard-fighting soldiers? We have become entitled and unreliable. So here we see that Moses transformed himself from royalty to herdsmen and creates a completely new life for himself. But what Moses did not understand was that this is not what God had intended for his life. So God meets him exactly where he is. Moses was in the desert herding goats and sheep, and there God met him exactly where he was as a burning bush and called him by his name. Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 3, 2 through 4. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. One of the most important parts of this interaction is the fact that Moses answered God. Revelations chapter 3 and verse number 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. My brothers and sisters, how many times has God knocked on your heart asking you to forgive somebody, asking you to help somebody, asking you to help your church, asking you to rise up and go? And then God begins to explain what he wanted Moses to do. Exodus chapter 3, 7 through 10. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land, and the large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the land of the, the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
In verse 11 of the exact same chapter, Moses replies to God, Who am I to go to the king and lead your people? My brothers and, and my sisters, this evening, is that the response that we have had when God has came to us and tell us that we are more than what we are and what he wants us to do? We get stuck arguing with God about the details. Lord, have you not seen what I've been going through? Lord, did you not see what they did to me? Lord, did you not see what I just lost? I am broken. I am in pieces, and you must be mistaken because I am still inside my cave in the dark, and if I come out, life might hurt me again. Lord, it's safe in here, God, and I can't trust anymore because that's how I got here in the first place. Lord, my whole life is in a shambles, and I am barely putting it back together, and I am barely learning how to walk again. And you come to me today in my dark place while my face is still wet with tears and my body is still shaking, and you're telling me to go? God, I know that you are omnipotent, and you created the sun and the stars and created woman out of Adam's ribs and cooled the fire for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I know you called the blind to see. And, Lord, I heard about you casting out demons. And, Lord, I know that you raised the dead, but you got to be wrong about me. But yet, he continues to tell you to rise up and go. But, Lord, is it safe for me? to come out of my cave, and he still says go. His answer to you is the same answer that he gave to Moses, Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 12. And it reads, so he said, I will certainly be with you. I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. My brothers and sisters, tonight God tells me, and he's telling you the same thing, that he will be with you. Yes, people are going to hurt you. And yes, you are going through issues. You are going to go through issues of pain and turmoil. But his promises remain true. Isaiah 43 and 2 tells me that when you pass through the waters, I, I, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. John 14 and 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not be your, let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Joshua 1 and 9 tells me, have I not commanded thee to be strong and of good courage and be not afraid and neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever with thou goest. I don't know how you feel, but these scriptures are telling me that even though I am behind enemy lines and the enemy is after me, that God is promised me victory, and he just simply wants me to go. There's still souls to save, and 
many, many, many people who need to know that God loves them. And then I, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send them? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah 6 and 8. My brothers and my sisters, this evening it is time that we come out of our dark closet and lay down our cloaks of depression and just trust in mighty God. It is time for us to forgive and to let it go. It is time for us to repent and go. Serve it. It's time to serve God. It's time for us to be a light in this dark world. Our purpose in life is we were called to serve, to serve in God's kingdom by spreading the word, to be an example of love, serving one another, giving praise and glory to our heavenly Father, to pick up our cross no matter the loss, tell others of Christ, went over the loss, make known the gospel, to spread it bravely, to not to live and walk in Christ's word daily. We never know whom we may come across, have faith in Christ when seeking the lost. God has appointed it in his perfect timing. Those he chosen, he draws to salvation. People need truth. They need an awakening. You may be the only gospel that they'll ever hear. If they will not hear you, shake the dust from your feet. Perhaps not all will come, but the Lord knows those his sheep. Spread the gospel, no matter the cost. Tell others of Christ. Share with them the cross. Make known the gospel and spread it bravely. Courage to stand for truth, abiding in Christ daily. Our purpose in life is that we're called to serve to love one another. In thought, deed, and word, plant a precious seed. Then watch it grow into a fruitful harvest, reaping what we sowed, and we'll find it in the end. There is a great reward to all who paid homage and honors the Lord. That was from Sharon Legault. One very last point I want to make this evening, and then this lesson will be yours. My brothers and sisters, when Moses was leading the Israelites, out of Egypt to the Red Sea. They heard Pharaoh's chariot. They saw the dust coming from the mighty chariots, and they immediately became afraid, and they forgot all about what God had done and how he had recently delivered them, and they forgot all about his promises and immediately became afraid. They turned against Moses, and Moses went to God on his people behalf, and he said, Lord, Pharaoh is still a threat, and what shall we do? But as I look at the Exodus 14, 10 through 15, it tells me as Pharaoh approached him, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt? that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? And 
Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, said, do not be afraid and stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And verse number 15, I love it so much. Because the Lord spoke back to Moses and he said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. My brothers and my sisters, it is time to rise up and it's time to go. I hope something has been said tonight that has blessed you or caused you to pause and look inside your own heart. And if you have examined yourself and realized that you are not doing uh, what God has asked you to do, you can change your life right now. Amen. If you are a Christian, you can repent and be restored. But if you have not put the Lord on in baptism, there is no time like right now to be saved and make the Lord your Savior and King. Except one, we must hear the word, and you heard the word tonight. Romans 3, at 23, we know that we are sinners and that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, and 23. Romans 10 also and, and 17. And step two, we must believe what we hear. Merely hearing the word of God does not say we must believe what we hear or we are not likely to obey God's commands. In John 8, 24, Jesus says, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Yet belief is not enough. Step three, we must repent of our sins. Sin is what separates us from God. Isaiah 59 and 2 says, therefore, if we intend to seek God's forgiveness, we must be willing to repent of our sins. Repentance means turning away from sin and making the effort to sin no more. Corinthians 6 and 9 through 11 says, we aren't willing to repent of our sins. We cannot be saved. Step four says, we must confess our faith. Those that wish to be saved must confess their faith in Jesus. Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10. It was Jesus Christ himself says, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. Step five, we must be baptized. Baptism shows a good conscience toward God in 1 Peter 3 and 21. Acts 22 and 16 says, baptism washes away sins. Romans 6 and 23 and Galatians 3 and 27 says, baptism gives entry into Christ. Mark 16 and 16 says, Jesus' authority made baptism necessary when he gave the command. In other words, our sins are not washed away and we are not in Christ until we are baptized. Step number six says we must remain faithful, which baptism puts us into Christ and his blood washes away our sins. We must still be obedient and faithful to God. Otherwise, we will lose our souls. The Bible tells us in Revelation 2 and 10, says, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. My brothers, God bless you. Keep hope. Keep faith. Examine yourself daily and edify one another. God bless you, and good evening. Have a blessed evening. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes 
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of God's Word. I want to thank both of my speakers on the show this evening, my special guest, Urban C. Jackson. He did a great job in his lesson, his presentation. Also, my co-host, Isa Mullins, he always does a great job on the show as well. I really appreciate everyone who participated in the show on this evening. We didn't have a guest in the community corner uh, what a blessing. What a blessing it is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's just my prayer that the lessons and the things that was said on this radio show this evening have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning into this radio show, but you're giving yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real real good. You've been listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. On behalf of my co-hosts, Isa Mullen, Shauna Otis, and Lou Gibbert, we really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show.
From the Lord Radio Show. You've been listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show, episode 198. When I see the light of the morning sun, and I see that everything is
Listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.